Hello, you're listening to Campaign's first weekly podcast. Um, this is something we've been thinking about doing for a while, but there's never been a better week to, to launch a news-led podcast because I think we've never had, I've never had in my career, a week of news like this, and I, I'm pretty sure I won't um, have a news story like this ever again in my career to cover. It's been an amazing week. If you have no idea what I'm listening to, uh, talking about, where on earth have you been? the last few days because the whole industry agenda this week has been dominated by the resignation of Sir Martin Sorrell from WPP. So Campaign has come to Adam and Eve DDB to record the podcast. With me I have Adam and Eve DDB's chief James Murphy and the chief of Lucky Generals Helen Cowcroft and my campaign colleague Gideon Spanier. Um, I wanted to kick off, oh and I'm Claire Beale, editor of in chief of campaign so welcome i wanted to kick off this session by starting with gideon because um, he and i have had a frenzied few days really exciting i think you'd agree gideon i mean yep. i think you said to me if you're not excited by this story you're really in the wrong job um if you work on campaign um we've had a really interesting exciting exhausting few days i would really love to just get from you a sense of how this story has unfolded and and what it's been like working on campaign on this story. Uh, well, the first thing to say is Martin Sorrell resigned on Saturday night at 10.30 London time in the evening. And uh, most people know you don't resign from a job at 10.30 on Saturday night for many reasons. And uh, it was the culmination of basically 11 days in the public eye and about two weeks since Martin Sorrell was first told, I believe, by WPP that there were some allegations against him of personal misconduct. That was just before Easter. Then, uh, I think very, very few people knew about this, but it leaked to the Wall Street Journal on uh, the Tuesday after Easter. So, uh, at that point, there was this story about personal misconduct, and WPP came out with a statement pretty fast afterwards confirming it. And from that moment, I mean, it caused pandemonium because everyone knows that Martin Sorrell has been the preeminent figure in British advertising and global advertising for 30 years. And uh, there's been quite a lot of mystery about exactly what the misconduct was. And uh, the truth is, is that as journalists, we had to be quite responsible in not speculating what that misconduct could be. And there was very little information, but there was an independent legal investigation commissioned by WPP. Uh, but of course, advertising is a very gossipy industry. And over the course of the next 11 days, it became clear from the mood music amongst senior WPP people and some people outside other agencies and so on, that uh, the allegations were strong enough to make his position probably untenable. Um, Towards the end of last week, around Wednesday, Thursday, we began to hear stories about some uh, interim leadership being lined up, uh, which proved to be right. Marks, Reed, and Andrew Scott, uh, two, two uh, well-known, at least within WPP, senior figures. And uh, it still came as a thunderbolt, I think it would be fair to say, that on a Saturday night, I was actually in the West End in London, I was at a party, and I got a couple of texts from WPP people. And what had happened was... Martin Sorrell had 
sent his resignation statement to all staff. And I believe that the WPPR team knew that he'd then reached a settlement to resign, but were waiting, I think, for some kind of green light. And I guess Sorrell wanted to say goodbye to staff on his own terms. And um, uh, my first reaction was, oh my goodness, <laughs> uh, what are we going to do? We, this is major, major news. And I am old enough to have worked when Princess Diana died, which was also on a Saturday night. That actually, um, for those who may remember, actually happened really in the middle of the night, about 4am. Uh, but uh, I got on the phone, I was with my family and we were in the car and I called Omar, who's our news editor. And because we'd been waiting for this, um, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd anticipated coming in. We commissioned one of campaign's best journalists, uh, John Tiley, who's incredibly experienced and wise. For most of Sorrell's career. Yes, I think he, he, he's maybe Sorrell's age. Um, he's certainly in the, that ballpark. And he'd written a brilliant piece. And um, the great thing about online publication is, is that uh, we could get out the news story with the statement. We did something which maybe the BBC wouldn't do. We printed the full Sorrell resignation statement, which I think lots and lots of people want to see. It's quite long and it had this line at the end about Godspeed to you all, which it, it, it was, it, but it, it conveyed some of the emotion he must have felt. Um, and we also uh, had interviewed Mark Reed last year. That turned out to be an interesting interview. Uh, because obviously we had talked to him then last summer, would, was he a candidate to succeed Martin Sorrell? N no one knew this was, that, no one could imagine that even though WPP was under pressure, missing targets in the last 12 months, that it would end so suddenly and, uh, and on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, he's been under a lot of pressure to, to announce his successor and you would assume everyone would want that to be a very seamless, dignified transition period. Obviously WPP is uh, robbed of all of that um, and has been thrust into the, the turmoil of this. But um, it, was, it was an exciting weekend for us, wasn't it? We managed to put out quite a lot of stories. And then, because even I was surprised by the amount of national media interest in this story. And I, I, obviously, if you stop and think about it, of course, he's running a FTSE Top 100 company. He's um, one of the most prominent businessmen, um, not just obviously, in advertising, but on the on the um, on the business stage here in the UK, but globally as well. So there was an enormous amount of, of national and international news interest. So you were doing interviews, I was doing interviews. You were on ITV News. I was on, you know, the the appetite for information around the story is uh, was explosive. Um, so here we are. It's now latish on Wednesday afternoon. How how things unfolded? in the, the working day since that Saturday night announcement? Well, the first thing I think, and I'd love to hear from uh, James and Helen about how they heard the news, because actually they're probably as plugged in and probably more so than we are. But I will say that you know, the first thing WPP did is that they uh, confirmed that they were appointing joint chief operating officers, Mark Reed, who is the global CEO of Wonderman, and Andrew Scott, who's the COO for WPP in Europe, actually not very well known externally, but does virtually all their M&A and that kind of thing. So that was one piece of news. Um, there was a scheduled board meeting, which had been planned long ago for Tuesday. Uh, that is yesterday, and as far as I know, that took place as normal. Um, I think the share price fell, the WPP share price fell on Monday by six or so percent. 
and that was a I think a negative reaction just going how bad could it be um, Sorrel was undoubtedly the glue that had patched WPP together through hundreds of acquisitions and uh, absolutely master of detail and control the interesting thing is these are lots of operating companies he was just which comprise WPP and they're going to get on with business the uh, next, I think, significant event is on April the 30th when they have the quarterly results and that will be interesting to see how have they been doing financially and they need to come out with a narrative that makes more sense. Uh, unquestionably, the biggest reaction since has simply been shock uh, yeah. and some of us have been today at an IPA lunch for the sort of uh, ad industry where there were tributes to him and, to be fair, lots of gossip. I mean, I think the mystery surrounding the allegations of personal misconduct, which Sir Martin denies unreservedly. The mystery surrounding those allegations means that um, there's, there's a lot of unanswered questions. And even if we don't find out what the exact nature of those allegations is, it does raise questions, I think, about the way WPP has been governed. Um, because uh, what critics and journalists said in the past about too much power residing in one with one man. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the fears have have been realised. So the, that corporate governance issue, presumably, we've had Vince Cable calling for um, full disclosure, um, and we we heard some rumours this morning that um, some of the media in the states might be preparing to publish um, some detail. But do you, from what you hear, Gideon, do you think there's any chance of us? finding out a little bit more about what those allegations are? Well, advertising is a very leaky industry, but um, I think we might be curious to know, to be honest. How could you not be? But uh, this was not a dignified or... Um, you know, this was not a great way for Sir Martin to go, and uh, he achieved a lot, and... Um, it's his reputation has already taken a pretty big dent um, so we'll have to see is, was my verdict on that Let, let's ask Helen and James um, Helen how did you hear how did you hear about the story and what was your first gut reaction to it so I mean I was out for dinner with friends um, and like all of us you know in a, in, a, in a loo break run in and check your phone and see what's happening and I saw your tweet and I was I think the thing that was really shocking is it was a Saturday night late in the evening and as Gideon says there's something so unseemly and undignified and wrong about that kind of news coming out in that way and I think just take a moment and without blowing smoke I think the way that the, the, the campaign has handled this from that you know absolute depth of analysis the, the level of insight and, and the level of, of, of detail, really, of, of the whole story of WPP has been phenomenal. But I guess what, you know, that's, that moment at, at 10 p.m., you just think, what on earth has gone on here? And I think, you know, James and I were talking about this just before we went live. You just feel terribly sad that this incredible career, this incredible story that has been, as you say, a British story but on the global stage comes to a, an end in this way. And I just felt shocked uh, and mostly really sad about the unseemly nature of that. I mean, was that trying to avoid 
press coverage at 10 p.m. on a Saturday? Was that deliberate? Was it just that there was absolute chaos in Farm Street? You know, or none of those things have a good sort of uh, leave a good taste in the mouth. No, James, you've worked for Sir Martin. Yeah. You've been in a legal battle with him, and you've uh, been a fierce competitor to, to his companies. What? What was your what was your gut saying when you heard the news? Well, I think I got a I got a just a two word WhatsApp which was Sorrel gone at about nearly midnight on the Saturday night and um, and it was one of those things I think when Gideon you mentioned that Princess Diana it did have that sort of that ring of it where where it felt on one level really from the middle of last week perhaps slightly inevitable because both mm. Sorrel and his detractors within WPP had sort of drawn up such heavy legal artillery on either side. You thought, how can, you, how can we possibly come back from this? And, um, but to see those two words, Sorrel gone, and then obviously to go on and see so much coverage through the Sunday, um, was, it, it still really is sinking in, I think. Yeah. And, and you look at it and go, it's, it's pretty hard to believe because this guy was part of the fabric of our industry, both nationally and put us on the global stage and I think for many of us he's been a, a colossal figure in the industry for our entire careers so actually there is a sense of sudden absence I yeah. think so and, somebody in WPP uh, said to me it's like having a death in the family and I think you don't have to have worked mm. for WPP to feel that that sense of um, totally and uh, I think also if, if you ever if you ever needed the, the idea that you know the industry is being swept by huge changes at the moment, if you ever needed a single symbol of that coming to a crescendo, it's this. Even though it may not be directly related, although I think some of those things are symptomatic in the situation, it's um, you know it's such a mighty fall that it will. I'm sure when we look back on this, it'll almost be a geological moment, like a change of geological period from Jurassic to Cretaceous yeah. or something like that. That there will be there will be sorrel and post sorrel and yeah I mean if I could just say that for me sorrel was on the way out I don't take any pleasure in saying that but <clears throat> his underperformance uh, the group's underperformance since uh, really the start of 2017 um, was beginning to cause real problems for him with investors and for the share price to fall somewhere between 35 and 40 percent since. Um, at the start of last year. That was a really serious problem. And again, I have a lot of admiration for him. And as Claire knows, Martin Sorrell made a lot of time for journalists, brilliant at his own PR in many ways. Um, but what surprised me last year was he was great at complaining about what the problems were, which meant WPP's growth had ground to a halt. He wasn't offering solutions. And, you know, he would tell us, if we said certain things raised questions like the whole issue around media buying transparency, advertisers being able to buy direct from Google and Facebook, advertisers in-housing some of their creative work, uh, the rise of consultants like Accenture, he, a lot of his response was negative. Either it's not happening or they can't do it properly. And honestly, I think that was the beginning of the end for him. And James is absolutely right. This is the end of an era. But Sir Martin was 73, he couldn't have continued forever, he didn't control a large amount of WPP. Um, but uh, whilst I uh, do think agree with Helen that's sad, I, I also feel like this change is necessary because WPP and 
perhaps some other companies like it, are, are not fit for the new age of uh, e-commerce and really connected digital marketing. But it's uh, impossible to imagine he would have gone voluntarily, that he would have suddenly woken up and thought, maybe I'm not the right person to run this company anymore. He will look back and ask himself, how could I have done this differently? Because uh, he must he must have been short of allies, is what I would suggest in the boardroom. So um, I, 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 it's, a, it's a what if now. He, I believe when you look at Publicis Group, where Maurice Levy, his contemporary and rival, decided after 30 years, I will initiate a succession process. And that's been reasonably successful. It's certainly been smooth, where an yes. internal candidate, Arthur Sadoon, has taken the helm. John Wren, who is the chief executive of Omnicom, which um, actually owns Adam and Eve and has a stake in Lucky Generals, he very quietly last week assumes the role of chairman in addition to chief executive. And I put quite a lot of money on him making the transition and relinquishing his CEO duties. Yeah. And Sorrell, I, I think there's something in his character that meant he was too combative to to imagine that anyone else could quite do it like him. And it's true. But by not letting go, he has basically fulfilled his own prophecy, which was, I'll stay as long as they want me until they cart me off to the glue factory. That, that, and he's been, that, he's been sent to the glue I factory. Think perhaps, it's interesting because I think those, those combination of personality traits that almost perhaps brought about the fall are the things that definitely drove the rise and the huge success over the years because... And I think WPP and its shareholders may reflect that they will struggle to find anyone that combines the same talents and dynamism as Sorrel had because, you know, there is this idea, this slightly sort of cheap, kind of lovey cliche of he was a bean counter is just way off the mark because, I mean, certainly as an account man, I could look at him and go, God, he's an amazing account man because his knowledge of clients and his hunger for knowledge about clients, his competitive and combative spirit in new business, in legal disputes, in getting deals done was unsurpassed. And he clearly had an appetite for the fight. And there are plenty of other CEOs uh, running similarly quoted companies who do not have that they don't have that proprietorial passion. But he, so he said in his, um, in his leaving letter to staff um, and clients, he said, as a founder, I can say that WPP is not just a matter of life or death. It, is, it was and is and will be more important than that. And you two are both founders. Mm. And that, that's not a very 2018 sentiment no. in this era of you know, work-life balance and you know, getting, getting a, a healthy perspective. Um, on where our professional lives there, fit there within was another thing. But do you, can you relate to that? Well, there was another thing that he said that I thought was very telling, which is that he talked about 200,000 staff and 500,000 dependents. Okay? And I think... And that is, that is a sort of construct that he's used before. I think he saw himself, in many ways, as almost a part of Familius. Someone who... And certainly when we left WPP, someone said to us you need to be very careful because he regards himself as the head of the family and you've been disloyal by leaving. And, and I think he had a sense, like any founders do, that actually you might be starting something, you might 
be brilliant strategically and creatively, but ultimately you're giving work to people and you're responsible for their jobs. And he goes so far as to almost number the dependents. For half a million people dependent on income, salaries and livelihoods from WPP. And so that may sound old fashioned and almost feudal, but I think it does evidence a sort of an emotional view yeah. of, of what he did. So Helen, would you agree that that, that sort of symbiosis between leader and, and the company um, is almost necessary to drive success? I mean, I think at some level, if you found a company, you do absolutely have that sense that it's your family and that you are very responsible, not just for the, the happiness and, and personal and professional growth of those people who work for you, but all of those are, you know, their d- dependents. Although I disagree with the, uh, from, as a feminist, I find it quite annoying, this idea that dependents, because really what we mean here is wives and children, which I think is pretty old-fashioned but you know that sense if you are a founder that you are very accountable for people's happiness and growth is true I think I mean I'm I'm uh, I've got a different experience James because I never worked for him and I certainly would have never and my partners and I would have never sold a company to him or and I never chose to 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 work in a WPP company but I do think this this familial metaphor is interesting because he seemed to punish anyone who ever wanted to grow up and leave home and I think there's a there was a very sort of there was a double-edged sword to that part of his character of, yes, this is my family, but woe betide you if you do want to grow up and spread your wings, which is a, it's a strange attitude to business. And, you know, we've certainly had, you know, some of, some of our very best people have left and they're still friends or they've left and come back. You have to be prepared as a, as a founder to watch people grow and fly and not be offended, let alone pursue them legally if they dare to go. And ironic that he has left without a, a, with a, without a non-compete clause hanging over him. James, do you think the... We won't go into the minutiae of the legal battle yet, but suffice to say, when you left WPP, um, you found yourself uh, in, in dispute with the company. Did, is there a sense in which that actually made Adam and Eve better, that battle, that... I'd say yes, and um, in the sense that because you spend the first two years of your startup fighting for your survival, and then suddenly you the thing settles and you emerge the other side, um, and it was a bit like a coiled spring. And we, I remember, we, we we sprung forward in that third year. We pitched eleven times and won eleven pitches, and actually got your agency of the year that year. And um, it was one of those things where. I do think in some senses it might have been the making of us. Um, but equally, I think, again, it's that kind of, how can I put it? It's Sorrell's proprietorial zeal that WPP may regret losing. Because I think we have to take our hat off to him and say the vigour with which he defended mm-hmm. WPP against what was seen as a potential threat um, was... If I was a shareholder, I'd be very happy about that because he wasn't a hired gun CEO. This was someone who took it personally and and took the fight to us in a, in a very, very major way on behalf of his business and his shareholders. It's fair to say, though, that since Saturday night, there have been quite a few senior people in our industry who've got the flags out because they feel that Seoul has not been good for advertising, um, that he's... Um, crushed creative impulse um, and harnessed it to a, um, a, a business driven by volume and numbers. Um, 
Do you, and the independent agencies and entrepreneurialism has actually struggled to, to flourish um, in that environment where uh, the, there is such a, a big player playing by, by new rules. Do you, do you think his legacy is a, is a good one for the industry? I mean, I think there are two sides to the argument, which is why the industry is so engaged in this debate. And there are, you know, it isn't there isn't a simple answer to this. I would say broadly, having, you know, as I say, same with James, Martin Sorrell has been part of my whole career. Um, I would say that he has had a massively positive impact overall on the industry because he single-handedly has been a representative that 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 creativity and business don't you know they are they are they can coexist they should coexist they do coexist he's you know taken our industry to a place where it's taken very seriously FTSE 100 you know a v- one of the most famous business people not most fam- famous advertising but the most famous business people in the UK and globally hence the incredible scandal and all the news that there's been over the last few days and I think he did nothing but bring gravitas to our industry he also you know did, he was very visionary I mean, it's a very interesting combination of being incredibly visionary and driven for a big vision to take you know the advertising industry broader more digital to embrace new new challenges that they came along perhaps less so in recent years but certainly across a 30-year period to have that vision also to say that the industry had to globalize not just be global you know he did many really important strategic things for our industry that raised the standing of our industry of course there are many people who are creatively driven who say you know hence the bean counter kind of um you know, way of, of, of describing him, but many people would say he didn't understand or truly believe in creativity. That may be so. Um, I'm sure there are many people in, in WPP agencies who say, look, here are examples of wonderful creativity that we are delivering and deliver every day, and WPP agencies win, you know, agency of the year in Cannes and all over the world. You know, do we think ultimately he was a great believer and 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 supporter of of the creative product not necessarily but was he brilliant for the industry and its standing and its gravitas i would say unreservedly yes and i think perhaps what he was was a believer in talent yes and which is why he garnered it so in so enthusiastic and, and guarded it so jealously and and the what was interesting is having run a wpp agency when we were running rainy kelly yr the uh again it just, it seemed a bit of a fiction, this idea that people would say, God, it must be so terrible working for WPP. I mean, they're all over you like a rash. And they, he was very non-interventionist and, and so on. I think we had two, two sort of interventions where, which were mainly like, things are going well, do you need some more money for the business? Do you need some things like that? This whole idea that you were being con- had, having your homework marked the whole time just didn't come true at all. And, um, and I think that perhaps... What, as, as WPP grew and matured as a business, that it feels like he came to realise that actually what was really valuable was talent and people. And he gave a speech, I think, where he famously talked about what we sell is pearls, pearls of insight, pearls of wisdom and pearls of creativity and emotion. And I think to talk emotively like that, that indicates someone that does realise this in, in inherent value and qualitative value in what we do. And Claire... Given that you are standard bearer for creativity at Campaign, where did you stand on the was Sorrel good or bad for the creative side of advertising? 
Um, I I think he has built. It's all been said already. He built an amazing company. Um, were his agencies the most creative agencies in the business? At particular moments, there was a moment where Gray was creatively on fire. It wasn't very long lived. Um, did did they get the support from him at, at, through that time? I'm I'm absolutely sure they did. Um, but if I look at the panoply of agencies in town, I'm struggling to find um, consistent creative excellence out of WPP's agencies. But <laughs> am I am I seeing consistent creative excellence everywhere else? No. <laughs> so you know, I think it it, it reflects the reality of, of of the wider industry. If I'm honest. Well, one thing I observe is that, as Helen said, I mean, he was mad about can lines. And uh, in fact, he told me, I think he, yeah, he only <laughs> yes. started going around 2010, 20, 2009. And I think he, he was obsessed about being the most awarded holding company. In fact, I'm fairly well informed that the can lines created the award for him because he wanted to win it. And he's won it every year. And uh, creative awards mattered to him. And it's interesting, for a man who actually you know, loves personal profile, he was late to join Twitter and I think he's only tweeted a couple of times. Uh, but if you look at the uh, companies he followed, it was the creative agencies first. And I think he's, this man who was the, the finance director at Saatchi's always loved the madman. There was something about it, I'm 100% sure, because... Uh, he once said, uh, you know, sometimes you've got to be able to eat your own children. But <laughs> when, he? yes, he did. But, it, but, it, but it, uh, it, as in, you know, just to survive. But actually, if you were to sort of examine what some of the hard decisions that maybe publicist group in particular has made, can debate whether they worked, WPP is widely seen to have just too many bits and so on. And it, the creative agencies are perceived across the industry to be the area which is having the biggest problems and um, you know why Sorrel struggled to address that is an interesting question but can I also make one other point we've talked about Martin Sorrel in the past and clearly his WPP legacy is in the past but there could be another chapter and amongst the speculation about what he could do next is could he um, set up some other business this linked to this idea that he has no non-compete would that business be in advertising might he even if WPP is broken up buy a bit of WPP mm. um, might he buy Group M the media business I, mean, I cannot believe it but let, let's just say the, 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 it's an interesting question we don't know the answer to what this man who is uh, absolutely still incredibly fired up was emailing like nature, yeah. yeah emailing like crazy on Sunday night. He is seventy three, but uh, we've seen with people like Rupert Murdoch, and I'm sure this was in the back of Sorrell's head when he wasn't ready to to uh, let go. He he could easily have another ten years, and he certainly has the stature if he can maintain his reputation to go on to do other things. Yeah, I think a lot depends on whether we find out any more about the nature of the the allegations and whether he can emerge with his his personal reputation intact, and I think we all hope that he can. Um, I just want to ask you two, though, Helen and James, imagine you get a call tomorrow, come and be CEO of WPP. 
what you two, what you would do with, with that company. Hmm. I'm wondering if James has already had the call. <laughs> James? <have laughs> Strangely, <you>? no. <laughs> but um, I think the... I think you, you look at it and, and you... It's really your thing. Look, there are some... There are clearly some phenomenally talented people and brilliant businesses within WPP, but they need to be galvanised in a, in a more effective and holistic way so that you're bringing together... You know, really, the alchemy that we all need to perform is bringing together um, ex- extreme multi-channel creativity with data so that we can actually deliver work that's very, very flexible and evolving constantly in, in real time driven by data. And that means bringing together different lines of business that currently sit in different silos. So that, that kind of focusing and sharpening would need to happen. And there would probably need to be some divesting of things. There are some pretty old-fashioned research businesses in there that you know have made good money for the last several decades based on a 1950s or 60s model of TV advertising and, and measuring, you know, pre-testing and stuff like that. I think they, they have less of a role going forward and offer less value to clients. Um, and so there should be a kind of a focusing and a, and a streamlining going on. I also think that, but there are interesting sort of, it's interesting to look at some of the candidates for the job. I mean, Mark Reed is a really interesting internal candidate because he's got that that experience being a right-hand man to Sorrel and um, in the middle of of the holding company, and then having gone out to run an operating business like Wonderman really successfully for the last few years, and in many ways quite quietly but very effectively building a modern, very future-facing model. Um, and so he's got a unique combination of holding company and operating company success to build on. Um, but then there may be a view that they have to bring in someone from outside who's really just a structural expert, someone who can go, these are valuable to hold on to, these are more valuable being packaged and sold off. Mm-hmm. And that may not be someone who's an operating marketing services person. Could be a woman, that would be interesting, Helen? Wouldn't it, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, I think it, it would be a very tough job for any individual and I think there's a real that there's a real balance to be struck between you know all these, there are, there's a massive amount of people and clients relying on those businesses but someone needs to be able to look at this with quite a radical eye. And as James says, what is the focus? What is what is the vision for the next decade? And I think, as Gideon was saying, it seemed to be lacking that, you know, there, there had always been a kind of long-term vision. And actually, ha- we're in this very interesting time of a kind of perfect storm of, you know, what is the right structure? How do we as an industry now organise? But this is an enormous tanker mm. and you you know mm. you can't just blow that up you mm. have to kind of think about that but I think there's there's potentially a very mm. interesting future for a streamlined mm. WPP group I think it's a tough job for any one individual um, and, it, and, and no doubt there will be lots of bets placed and speculation mm. to be had on who that might be and per- perhaps one of the things that that ultimately held Sorrel back was when you've done almost personally each of these deals and you've paid handsomely to buy these agency brands when actually the future isn't in those tight silos, yes. it's in a much more... It's probably simply emotionally difficult to push those things together and perhaps have that almost like a short-term dilution of value whilst you build the new model. And you can talk about eating your babies, but it's actually really hard when you get the knife and fork out. And I think that's right, James. I think it would be almost <clears throat> impossible 
if the, if you acquired those businesses, you knew all of the people in them to say, we're going to sell those ones off, crash those ones together and change this entirely because those are, you know, there are human beings behind those brand names and there's a lot of history and perhaps a new person will find that much less painful. Mm. There's definitely a more radical model beyond... If I, because Sorrel did pioneer, we shouldn't forget ho- that horizontality mm. model. But the problem with that was it was still rooted in um, multi-skilled agency groups, but there were individual P&Ls. Yes. And the radical solution beyond that is you have to, you cannot have turf wars. You have to have people sitting within one P&L ultimately. And Gideon, I've got this metaphorical suitcase of money here um, for you to bet, given all the conversations you've had in the last few days on uh, who might take over? Who, who are you going to put the money on? Oh, I don't like that question because I don't think I know the answer. I'm going to say on and this one, I expect to be surprised uh, because I think they need a surprise. Mm. Um, uh, it's going to require really, really radical thinking. And uh, you know, the speculation in the city is, is that there could even be some kind of takeover bid for assets. I mean, what are you going to do if someone says, uh, you know, I, I want to buy uh, let's make this up, but I want to buy JWT, and I'm going to give you, you know, a billion dollars for it. I mean, the, the sort of this story is very unpredictable. Without mm. Sorrel, Sorrel there, um, I I have said I think uh, Jerry Bullman, who runs Dent Swedish Network, could be a candidate. But I mean, it's a rival ad group. I mean, he's British and he's known by investors, and he successfully restructured Aegis before selling it. What his non-compete is, I don't know. Whether he wants it, I don't know. Uh, they could easily go for someone from America. Uh, I am sorry, but in this case, I'm going to keep my money on. Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep. You, you can keep <laughs> your money on this one. Having just watched the Grand National last weekend, I mean, you just you, you, general rule: favourite usually doesn't win. Um, but as James has said, and I think I would mention this. You now, Mark Reed certainly would appear to tick quite a few boxes. And he's not unlike Arthur Sadoun at Publicis, having sort of risen through the ranks, quite clearly has a good understanding of what his predecessor wanted and how it works. And uh, I, I think if Mark Reed were running it in a year's time, maybe WPP wouldn't be in such a bad place. Well, uh, what, what a story, but this is undoubtedly only the beginning of the story. Thank you all so much for sharing your thoughts this afternoon. Um, we will, of course, all keep talking. Gideon, thank you. Helen, James, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Claire.